1 John chapter 4. We're going to begin reading tonight in verse 17, but do honor Pastor John's thankful for his leadership, Sister John's, you, the, my, the great people of Atlanta West. It's good to be a part of the family of God in a local church, Amen. and it's good to be a part of a healthy local church. Amen. 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 And if you don't know any better, good. But if you know, you know. It's good to be a part of a healthy church. Amen. First John chapter 4 and verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not, has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And by the help of the Lord for a little bit on Wednesday night Bible study, I want to preach and teach on this thought, perfect love. Would you look at your neighbor and say, perfect love? If you a minute, you can be seated. Amen. I don't want to offend you, but happy belated Valentine's Day. I hope you were able to enjoy the day with spouse or children or family or people you enjoy, even if that was just you and yourself. Speaking of uh, Valentine's, did you know that uh, Hallmark, that great company, estimates that 145 million cards were bought yesterday? Ranging, seems like, from seven to ten bucks. Yesterday is one of the busiest days of the year for restaurants, second only to Mother's Day. God help you if you tried to go out yesterday. And according to the National Retail Federation, Americans last year spent $23.9 billion dollars on Valentine's, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will pay for a lot of building programs. Chocolate, of course, is preferred by men and women and represents 75% of candy sales. It is the biggest holiday of all for florists, more than any other holiday, 30% of all holiday sales. But if you did not celebrate, that is okay, because 49% of adults said they will not celebrate, but they will indulge in the candy. So, in light of the timing of this service, but also from several weeks ago, feeling the direction and prompting of the Lord, I want to talk about the perfect love that we read in our text. What, what is love? Is it the chocolate and roses of Valentine's? Is it the emoji happy face with heart fries? Is it a feeling? Is it an act? Maybe it includes all the above. Certainly everyone in this room and everybody joining us online has experiences and opinions that help shape how you and I would articulate the meaning of love. But ultimately, if we are to truly know love, and if we are to experience pure and true love, then we need to look to the Bible. 
We certainly do not want to look to uh, culture, for culture love is nothing but a word to be thrown around on a feeling. So if I feel like I like that camera over there, then it's love. Or if I feel like I'm a cat who likes a dog, that's love. So we don't look to culture, we look to the Bible, and in the Bible we find the reward of perfect love. And so tonight on Bible study, I just want to direct our attention to some passages of Scripture that reveal the source of love, the manifestation of love, and the rewards of this perfect love. Immediately prior to our text this evening, the Apostle John succinctly encapsulated what all of Scripture affirms when in verse 16 he said, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Would you say that to a neighbor? God is love. So therefore, God alone is the source of love. And God alone is the perfect expression of love. We have no greater witness to this than Jesus himself in a passage that may be the most quoted or known of Scripture, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Paul powerfully described God's love this way in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so I'll say it again for clarity's sake, God is love. He alone is the source of love. He alone is the standard of love. He alone is the full expression of love. But the good news tonight is that the Bible is not merely presenting philosophical musings about love. The Bible isn't just giving us theoretical framework of what love might be, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. John, the Apostle John, and all the biblical writers, they wanted us to understand that God's love is not just theoretical. It is experiential, that you and I can know the love of God that we can experience the love of God, that we can express the love of God. It's not just theory, it is practice, and that's what the Bible seeks to guide us in. So the Bible has a lot to say about the subject. Quite frankly, from beginning to end, the whole Bible, in fact, may be a story, a unified story of God's love for humanity and our love back to him. But tonight, I want to 
narrow our focus to the writings of John. And our text this evening came from John's first epistle, his letter to those early Christians. But it seems evident as you read through 1 John that he is deeply influenced by Jesus' final conversation with his disciples just prior to the crucifixion. And that should not surprise us because it is John himself who recorded in great detail that final conversation between the Last Supper and the arrest of Jesus Christ. And so we need to start there if we're going to understand what John is writing to when he writes about perfect love. And for the sake of time, we will not read the entire conversation, and you can say amen, but we will skip through it and look at some key parts. John chapter 14 is where this conversation kind of begins, and it goes through chapter 15 and chapter 16. In verse 6 of chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, we just have to start there because we are a oneness Pentecostal church. We are apostolic. We believe that the New Testament preaching and teaching and practice of the apostles is the normative standard for us today. And so we cannot look at this and hear or read this final conversation without seeing that Jesus Christ is revealing on no uncertain terms who he is. That Jesus is the mighty God in Christ that Jesus is the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, that he is the I am that I am manifested in the flesh, the express image of the Godhead. Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you believe that, say amen. 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 But kind of from that point forward, throughout this conversation, we find that Jesus starts interweaving the revelation of who he was with the expectations and rewards of relationship with him. So when you read John 14, 15, and 16, you're kind of going from revelation to relationship, back into revelation of who he is, how that plays out in relationship, and our relationship to him. And we see this in verse 15. Notice Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Here we have the very first and foremost manifestation of knowing and abiding and expressing perfect love. And that is obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty clear, pretty simple, sometimes a struggle to live out. Verse 16, Jesus continued, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So now we're going back into Revelation. The spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you and will be in you. So if the Holy Spirit is a separate person from Jesus who is separate from the Father, we have a confused conversation in this passage. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. To repeat a brother often saying this in our church, make it plain. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am. That when Jesus says I am, he means something. I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now look how Jesus sandwiches that revelation. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then he goes into revelation of who he is and the power of his spirit. But look how he wraps it up in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, not just enough to know them, but keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Could Jesus be any more clear that the first and foremost manifestation of perfect love is our obedience to the word of God? It's not a cross around your neck. It's not listening to 93.3. It's not a joy bumper sticker on your car. It's not eating Jesus candy or wearing a bracelet around. It's not any of that. It's do you obey his word? You can tattoo it on your forehead. You can do a mohawk down the back. It doesn't really matter. You can love Jesus and all this. Do you obey his commandments? That is first and foremost. Otherwise, you're in some pseudo-love of human understanding, but not the perfect love of the Bible. So Jesus asked a question on behalf of all of us. Judas, I should say, not a scarlet. Bible's clear, let us know. How can we know God? And how can we be known by this God? Jesus promptly answers him in verse 23 and said to him, if anyone loves me, Jesus goes right back to what it means to be, to know God and to be known by God, which is the basic human question of every person. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So here's the equation. Loving God equals keeping 
his commandments, which equals abiding with him. When you say, I love God, that means you obey his commandments, which means you are abiding with him. They're all equal parts, and you can't take one out without nullifying the entire equation. So here's the good news and the hard news. Regardless of what we profess, if we do not practice obedience to his word, we don't truly love him. I'm not making light of, of really anything, but anything short of obedience isn't love. It's a feeling, it's a soothing conscience, it's a, I don't want to go to hell, it's a I don't like that lifestyle, it's a whatever, but if it's not obedience to the word, it's not loving God. John 15 and 4, we kind of leapfrog a little bit for your sake, time. So here we go back into the conversation. The, the drone has gone back down with a microphone. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, I cannot, I cannot read that passage without acutely feeling the gravity of Jesus' words. There are consequences of spiritual independence and self-rule that are severe. The consequences of not practicing what you profess are really, really severe. Right? So here's the equation again. Loving God equals keeping his commandments, which equals abiding with him. But Jesus wasn't finished. Verse 12 of John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So now we have a second manifestation of perfect love, and that is to love one another. Sometimes we would prefer to obey whatever if it doesn't involve other humans. But the manifestation of perfect love is to obey his commandments and to love one another. Verse 17, Jesus says it again for those of us that are hard of understanding. These things I command you. So for all the legalists who want it in black and white, here you go. These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus is crystal clear that the equation has expanded. Loving God now equals keeping his commandments plus loving one another, 
which equals abiding with him, which equals perfect love. And every element of the equation is inseparable from any other element in the equation. So, that's Jesus' conversation. Got it? So the drone lifts up. We run forward a bunch of decades. We drop back down to John writing his letter influenced by this conversation. And John writes in 1 John 2, Now by this we know that we know him. This is how you know that you know. If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him by this. We know that we are in him. How do you know that you know? You obey his commandments. And obeying his commandments, does that sound familiar? So what does John do? He affirms that the first and undeniable manifestation of knowing and abiding and expressing perfect love is obedience. Jesus said it, and John says it again. It is by this that we know that we are in him, that we love him. What does it mean to obey? I mean, does it have to be any more plain than that? But just in case, obeying his commandments means full submission to his lordship. It means that Jesus is not a director on your board of directors to give you good advice for how to make wise decisions, be healthy, financially successful, not lose your kids, never, you know, never have a rag, always, you know, just bless me and bless me and bless me. No, it means that he is the sole sovereign Lord. There is no board of directors. There's a throne, and there's one who sits on the throne, and his name is Jesus. So if Jesus is on your board of directors, that's cute, but that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And the principles of God's word with the cute Jesus on your board of directors will work if you apply them to your life. But when it comes to eternity, you better ensure that there's no board of directors, there's a throne. And on that throne is a king, and that king is sovereign in your life. That's how you know that you know. And obedience to his word just means that, complete and full. It's, it's not about what you think about the Bible. It's not about what they think about the Bible. It's not about, well, they love Jesus and they're doing that and they're still apostolic, but they don't do that anymore. It's not about what people profess. It's about what they practice and what they practice must align to the word of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I also know I felt directed of the Lord. So I need this and maybe you do as well. So that is the first and foremost manifestation of perfect love. You want perfect love? We all want perfect love. We were made to live in the perfect love of Jesus Christ in fellowship with him. The first manifestation is we obey his commandments. Now we jump to chapter 4 and 
hear another passage of John writing that's going to sound a lot like Jesus again. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. That he would love somebody like me, that is the wonderful portrait of the love of God. That while we were yet sinners, when we were nasty in our spirit, when we were corrupt in our soul, when we were immoral in our values, when we basically did not care that who God was and we just rejected him in our lives, in that place God loved us. And he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. But here's what happens when that comes into our life. Beloved, if God so loved us, excuse me, we also ought to love who? You know, it wasn't easy for God to love us, so do we think it's going to be easy to love one another? No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been, here's this word, perfected in us. Sounds like Jesus. John said, here is love perfected that you obey his commandments. Now he's saying, here is love perfected that you love one another. In other words, what we profess, I love Jesus better than whatever, has to be evidenced by our practice of loving people who do not taste like ice cream. But they're, they have thorns and they're snarky and they have attitudes and insecurities and they're human and they look like the person in the mirror. Loving one another is not just an inward feeling. I love everybody. It's not just lip service. Perfect love is according to the standard that God loved us. And Paul describes it with powerful poetic conviction this way. And he wasn't just writing wedding vows. He was writing to Christians about how they should conduct themselves to one another. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels but did not love others, I would only be a noisy, noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, which is good, and if I understood all of God's secrets plans, that would be awesome, and possess all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains and didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. A lot of rudeness excused in the church. Love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Can you imagine not keeping that black book of offenses? I remember 12 years ago they said that. I'm, I don't forget. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's what loving one another looks like. That's perfect love. That's hard. And so here's the equation. Affirm, taught by Jesus, affirmed by John. It's really quiet in here now. We can love Jesus and shout and spit and talk in tongues, but this loving one another is real. Amen? We're a work in progress, thank God. For his mercy endures forever. Because we are struggling forever. Loving God equals keeping his commandments plus loving one another, which equals perfect love. But John continues to expand this equation because just as there are some expectations of perfect love, the good news is there are some rewards of perfect love. But we've got to go back again to that conversation Jesus had and then leap back to where John is. John 15 and 7, hear Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Everybody say power. power. 15 and 11. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Everybody say joy. joy. 16 and 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Everybody say peace. So loving God equals obeying his word plus loving one another, which equals perfect peace, perfect love, which equals power, joy, 
and peace. And we live in a world that is searching for peace and joy and power. But it can only be found in perfect love. And perfect love is only found when you have obeying his word plus loving one another equals loving God. And that brings us to our text. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That is the perfect love of the Bible of the Lord and of our love for one another that it's not just obeying his commandments plus loving one another but perfect love is living with no fear no fear about today no fear about tomorrow no fear about eternity Perfect love is about a boldness that whenever I step from time into eternity, I am not fretting. I am ready to meet my Lord. Perfect love is a power that when I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it shall be done. Perfect love is a joy that is unspeakable and full of joy and full of glory. And perfect love is a peace that passes human understanding no matter the circumstances that I am in. Amen? Amen. Everybody say perfect love. 